people, this is Historical AF. My name is Natalie. I'm Kina. And I'm Ty. <laughs> and I'm Z. <laughs> hey, so we are a historian, a librarian, and some special guests bringing you the funny, weird, morbid, and spooky historical nuggets you never knew you needed in your ear holes. And I almost said that wrong because I said it out of order. Jesus. <laughs> you got there. Let's be important. <laughs> <laughs> and sorry, with Jesus and Cheez-Its today, we've got Pirates, ep- episode 62. And I'm not saying corny pirate jokes this time, and I'm thankful for that. <laughs> oh, there's nothing wrong with bad jokes. It was, I, so, I, bad. It was so bad. I will convince you that they're funny. Probably not. No. No. It was so bad. <laughs> the only funny part is when, like I said, my friend got it wrong and went, hey. Like that's the only funny part of it instead of Mars. <laughs> uh, we're so excited to have our friends, our new besties from the Otter Limits podcast back with us. Though every time I think Otter Limits, I think of an otter animal, yeah. like just flying off in space or something. Like it just needs, I just want to put a little otter in your logo, basically. <laughs> You're an artist. You can totally do that. At some point, I'm going to have to animate that into our show. Just floating in space. Or, I don't know, if y'all wanted to start a thing with your paid subscribers with, like, find the otter in our merch or something. I don't know. Just, like, a little hidden otters. That is completely no pressure thing. That's just my weird thing. I love it. Great. Now you're giving her ideas. I should do what they did in Psych for YouTube. We'll just have like a hidden otter somewhere in it, like they did with the pineapple in Psych. Oh, yeah. How hard it is to keep her on point. And now you're just giving her ideas. (laughs) I like how our video, it's like me and Z on one side and Ty and Nat on the other, because we've already determined that we are each other. Yeah, this. <laughs> I, I thought that was fun too. Like just the line of down the middle. It's like, yeah, pick your side. <laughs> Whose side are you on? I'm fine with this. <laughs> uh, just a reminder: if you want to watch the video and know what we're talking about, join Patreon. <laughs> Shameless plug. Shameless self promotion. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Always. So you guys doing all right since the last time we saw you? It's been a week. I mean, so far, so good. <laughs> right now, the only thing that's freaking me out about the apocalypse is the fact that we're going to be over- overrun by moths this summer. That's <laughs> one of my biggest fears. I hate moths. They freak me out. So, like, of all things that are happening, I'm like, not the moths! <laughs> so, does that make you a fan or a not a fan of Mothman? <laughs> I, like studying about Mothman, but if Mothman ended up looking like a ginormous actual, like, Miller Moth, we'd have problems. <laughs> <laughs> it supernatural on his ass. There would be, like, a lot of salt shooting. It would be bad. <laughs> like, even, even, like, the tiny, tiny little moths freak her out. Oh, oh that's funny. In one of my sculpture classes in, in college, a guy made a giant, white, fuzzy moth that looked very legit, and it had a six-foot wingspan. Oh, my God. Wow. Well, our sculptures had to be two by three, and he, he miscalculated made the body too big, which made the wings have six-feet wingspan. Yeah. I wouldn't recommend going to that gallery show for you. 
I, I, yeah, I think I'll avoid that. Wow, that is large. That's a whole me. That's, that's a big old moth. No, thanks. It was really cool. That was like worth it. Though he couldn't find the white fur. It took him forever. He's like, he went to several stores. Like, do you have fake white fur? And apparently that's really hard to get. Oh, I think that was pretty easy. I have seen there's a petition in Virginia to replace all the Confederate statues with Mothman. So oh, that's yeah. <laughs> got a lot of signatures. <laughs> I don't know about that. Replace oh, the statues, but I don't know about Mothman. Anywho, pirates. Yeah, pirates. Professional. I love pirates. Has anybody watched Black Sails yet? Uh, if not, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, that should be your homework. It's so good. Oh, I should. I, I, do I told myself that I would watch it before we came to guest again, and I, I completely forgot. Memory striked. It's it's yeah. very good, and it's relevant because there's some gay pirates, and it's pride. So all around, it's perfect for this month. Everybody should binge it. Highly recommend. Ten out of ten. I just finished it, so I'm like really sad that it's over. <laughs> I hate that feeling. Like anytime I finish a book series or a TV show, like just makes me sad. I'm lost. Hey guys, we want to tell you about our newest sponsor, Modern Fertility. I am super pumped about it. I'm going to spit some facts, Natalie. So what will you learn? One, if you have more or less eggs than average. Two, what you could expect from IVF or egg freezing. Three, how your hormone levels relate to PCOS, which one in 10 women have. For your general hormone health, which is a window into your broader health, you'll have a personal fertility team to help you understand your results and come up with a game plan. You get access to a team of fertility nurses, a weekly webinar, and their online community of a like-minded women. All test results are conducted in a CLIA certified lab and modern fertility's team of physicians and clinical advisors lead some of the nation's top fertility clinics. Shipping is free, hello, on all orders, and we only ship in the U.S. So this is the first comprehensive fertility hormone test for women ever, and you can take it at home. You get a choice. You can go to the lab if you want to, but I chose that at home. And like I said, one in six couples have trouble conceiving, and we just have so many tools to prevent pregnancy, but this is really the first tool to help have pregnancy. I'm 35, so I'm at that age where, like, if I want to have kids, this is when I need to really figure it out. And even with Natalie, I know you don't want kids, but, you know, you still want to know what your hormone health is like. Exactly. Or, you know, something's down the road. You just, like, freezing my eggs just in case or something like that. Hormones be wild, and y'all, it can make your hair all, like, fall out. (laughs) I'm trying to think of what else it does. Like It's like everything, like your skin health, everything. Proactive fertility hormone tests aren't covered by insurance most of the time, and it can cost upwards of $1,500. Yikes. And the best part is this test is $159, and if you use your code, you get $10 off. And it's so easy. It's at home. It's complete hormone panels. All you do is do the test, send it back to them, and you receive your results in under 10 days. So I sent mine in yesterday, and I'm anxiously awaiting mine. And this test gives you access to information you need to help plan ahead or navigate the world of fertility. And they also accept your FSA and HSA accounts. Those are hard to say. Bless you. But helpful. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So any woman in their 20s or 30s can benefit from this test. If you want to have kids in the next five years, if you're trying to get pregnant now, if you're considering freezing your eggs or IVF, 
If you're a mom considering another pregnancy or child, if you suspect your hormones are imbalanced, if you switched or went off birth control and you experience hormonal symptoms, if you suspect you have PCOS, if you're approaching menopause, yes, you can test if you're on birth control. All right. If you guys want to use our code, it's modernfertility.com forward slash historical AF. Again, that is modernfertility.com slash historical AF. One more time. That's modernfertility.com slash historical AF for $10 off. All right, let's get started. Which one should we do first? Do you want um, historical or weird? Because I assume you have morbid or which. I do, but it's morbid light. I okay. I didn't have it in me to go dark this time. <laughs> uh, it gets pirates. There's a lot to go there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's true. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, uh, people still get murdered. I always say that. I'm like, this one's not as bad. I mean, people are still brutally getting murdered, but it's not as bad as some of my stories. I'm like, I'm sure the Caribbean would have something different to say, but <laughs> how about let's get weird? Okay, can't go wrong. More than with that. Weird is always good. So I found this one really <laughs> cool article that's like all kinds of weird, fun facts about pirates that are true. Oh, cool. Love me some fun facts. And with my ADD, like, Keena tends to pick, like, one or two things, and then she just, like, digs a hole in the best of ways, like, especially probably burying treasure now at this point. And for me, I'm always all over the place. One cool fun fact that's on this list that I know we talked about last one was the eye patch and about pirates wearing eye patches more for light sake versus, like, actually just having a missing eye. And or as Ty said, it was as you're going down below, you can just switch eyes and be able to see better. But one of these things I did not know was the reason why pirates wore earrings. And that was to, they thought it would ward off seasickness. Oh. Oh. Like, wow. like pressure. I'm like, I don't have pierced ears. And now I'm like, do I need them? Like, I'm really wondering. Well, it's interesting because some people get the earrings for like migraines and stuff. So there's probably. Yeah. They get yeah. their uh, part of their that thing. Pierced. Yeah, I can't remember the, the name of it. But yeah, and yeah. it actually is it the Carlton? Like the, the little like flappy thing, like in the middle. Like, mm. Oh, yeah. okay. Like there's actually pre- precedents for it and anecdotal evidence to support it. I don't know about pierced ears and seasickness though, because I've gotten seasick before and I've always had pierced ears. So. Well, sailors believe that it was mainly like applying pressure to the earlobe would ward off the sickness. It's just like pop in their ear, basically, kind of like the inner earedness. And so they would just wear the earrings to kind of balance things. They have that pressure. Huh, I believe it. Pirates had a sophisticated mail system and a retirement plan. They had extensive networks on land and kept them in touch with the outside world. They had a mail system of all kinds of sorts with ships ferrying letters back and forth. And that enabled them to communicate with relatives and, of course, they had to retiring pirates from famous haunts like the Madagascar to all the way from America and everything. And I didn't when I think of pirates, I think of like just how crazy and rebellious they are, but they actually were super organized, um, even better than merchant ships. But also, it's hard to know who to raid if you don't have the information on that ship. So who's yep. coming back heavy is coming back light. That is true. 
Like I said, they were more organized than merchant ships because merchants would end up cheating their men a lot. Like they were didn't pay very well, while pirates could. They're like, no, we're going to pay you and we're going to get the job done <laughs> illegally, of course, and <laughs> bloody. But you know, whatever. Illegally, code of honor. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, we got this chest of money, so we're just going to divide it up pretty evenly. Except for you, Jack. You stayed on the boat and cowered, so you don't get it. (laughs) Basically. Something else I didn't like, but then I'm like, well, it makes perfect sense. And that was that maps were just as precious as gold or silver to the pirates. Yeah, I mean, even books and stuff, any kind of atlas manuscripts and everything, just for information and shipping, should probably track more than anything. And like Bartholomew Sharp, a pirate that was captured by the English, actually gave a an atlas, a manuscript that he was going to be executed. And by giving this, he kind of like bought his freedom. Oh, wow. Saved him. Well, yeah, I also have to understand at the time they didn't really have really good cartography. So they had mm. a lot of problems with maps, but it also on a captain's chart, it does prevailing winds, their tracks that they used and currents that they've noticed. So by compiling all that information, they got a much better idea and they could actually shave off months of their trips if they knew better ways around everything. Mm-hmm. It's like you come around Cape, the Cape Cod this way and suddenly you're going, you know, 20 knots faster and then coming up, going back, you come this way and you're still going 20 knots faster because you catch the prevailing winds at different times. Basically, pirates were the Google Maps of (laughs) 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 pirate ship captains were actually elected. That one I didn't know either by popular vote and could be removed by their performance sucked. Like, no, you kind of no, <laughs> just push them off or whatever and vote someone else in. They do that on black sales. I was like, oh, it's kind of like a democracy, but really easily flipped if you piss somebody off. Yeah. Yeah. And, and to be fair, like, it's not like they were just killed immediately. Like, they were basically thrown back among the crew for the most part, unless they were like egregious mm-hmm. crimes, in which case, even the captain was not above the egregious crimes portion mm-hmm. of their code. So even the captain would occasionally have to walk the blank. Mm-hmm. I just like to imagine that like a captain did something like super mean. And then one of the crewmen just walks up, looks him straight in the eye and goes, <laughs> and just like pushes it. Right <laughs> and giant splash. All right, moving on. Who we're going to vote in next. I was <laughs> <laughs> like, well, you've had three months. Like what? I wonder like if that happened just on a routine, like our four years or whatever, like, it's been long enough. Needs no else. Pirates also had curfews, which makes sense because I'm sure they left at dawn and super early. But a lot of times when they landed and pirates would go, you know, have their merry way of drinking and stuff, they would say, if you're not back on the boat by eight o'clock at night, don't expect to come back at all. So they actually had no gallivanting and partying all through the night, like we think. Like, goddamn, Pirates of Caribbean led me to believe. <laughs> yes and no. It depends on how long they were in port. True. This, I'm, mostly it's related to like if they were leaving the next day or something. Yeah. We're about to have something go down. I mean, if they have like two or three days in port, then because they need to get like their keel hall repaired, then yeah, they would definitely go crazy. But 
usually what they were doing was just putting in for supplies. So it was like, yeah, okay, get on shore, but be back by this time. And then we're leaving sometimes depending on the prevailing winds mostly because there are, there are bays that the prevailing winds in or in the morning or in the evening. And then the out prevailing outwinds are sometimes in the afternoon or they get three o'clock in the morning. So they would be able to get out easier and faster. I'd be so upset if I had to leave at three o'clock in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Just a single tear as I'm rowing away. <laughs> <laughs> It's not for me. No. <laughs> Sleep. I would just end up, instead of going to bed, I would just end up staying up. That's how I am. If I have to get up that early, like, I will just stay up. <laughs> Sleep too deep. And speaking of sleeping, actually, uh, pirates actually slept in hammocks. If you, but I've seen that in movies and heard that before. So it's not that unknown. But in case you didn't, pirates actually slept in hammocks. Largely for space. Mm-hmm. Kind of like bug beds, but you tie them up. Yeah, I just got a hammock, and it's amazing. I support this one. Because <laughs> sometimes be three to five deep on the height, so like someone would be down at the very bottom, and then there'd be a person on top of them, all the way up to five people up top. Oof. Depending on the height of their hold. <laughs> Jumping off of that one, I found this other kind of rabbit hole of cool things and that is all the different flags of pirates <laughs> i see ties slightly yes. yes think about this <laughs> because yeah the skull and crossbow is seen as the flag but like no they were all each captain yes. ship had its own oh. flag yeah it's skull and crossbow is like the jolly that. roger yeah most a lot of them didn't have that at all so i'll just talk about a few of them and one names just so y'all know because Y'all weren't aware. I must pronounce things a lot. So <laughs> Brain and mouth don't compute half the time. So Briggs, uh, he was, of course, one of the first to first flags to be called the Jolly Roger. But it actually isn't what we think of it. It's actually a black background with a red skeleton on it. Oh, okay. So it was kind of like the first draft of the Jolly Roger. And then it kind of slowly morphed into our skull and crossbones that we think it is. Very metal. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty much. It does. It looks like it's kind of a crude drawing of a skeleton. and But it does look like an album cover of a metal band. (laughs) Can you imagine them just like below deck trying to design this flag? (laughs) <laughs> it's amazing you did such a good job <laughs> and they had to do the stitching themselves too so it's a bunch of pirates sitting around stitching a flag doing their cross stitch and embroidery mm-hmm. it's like oh you, you made that that over under look pretty good there <laughs> yeah big burly pirates eye patches hooks and all that just going in there with needles yeah Pirates were probably the beginning knitters. They probably had knitting clubs. <laughs> I can't pronounce. Is it the gentleman pirate? Is it Steed Bonnet or Stead uh, Bonnet? I think or it's Bonnet. I'm making it fancier than it is, I guess. Never mind. Yeah. All right. So Bonnet's flag is traditionally thought to have been a skull over her horizontal long bone. So a skull with a long bone, a dagger, and a heart. And the early source listing this is kind of unknown, but it's actually hanging up in a, one of the Britain museums. And oh. super sources say that the bonnet flew either dark red flag or 
or it meant like death is coming basically. I really like this one. It's Christopher Moody's and it's a solid red. And all the way on the left is a hourglass with wings. And the middle is a white arm with a dagger. And all the way to the right is yellow skull and crossbones. And it's supposed to be your time is coming to an end. Time flies and death is on its way. That's very ominous and I love it. It is. Mm-hmm. Emmanuel Wynn is really cool. One has it's all black with a white skull and crossbone on top and then an hourglass on the bottom. So definitely another one that's like death is coming. Time's almost up. And uh, John Quelch was an interesting one. His actually is just white with a red stripe, two red stripes making a cross, basically, just all the way from top to bottom and left to right. And it's actually his home flag. <laughs> I'm like, all right, that's fine. <laughs> Thomas, too, he is, again, it's a black flag with an arm holding a cutlass. And that is a symbol for violence, as in, like, he will cut you down if you stand in his way, without no doubt. Uh, Calico Jack, isn't he from Black Sails? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, his is a skull with the two cutlasses uh, beneath. Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty much given, like, don't fuck with him. <laughs> Henry Lawson Every, he's one of the fi- famous, one of the most famous, and... Every captured the attention of both contemporary and modern audiences, although he was only active between 1694 and 96, only for a couple of years. But he pulled off the largest heist. I think that's really interesting. In a raid at Mughal, the merchant ships in 1695, Every and his crew pulled a treasure worth 300,000 to 600,000 British pounds. Ooh. Damn. Um, which would be equivalent from 50 to 120 million US dollars today. Okay, that was going to be my question. What's the inflation? I knew it. <laughs> <laughs> I even, I'd even take that from then. Like, goddamn. Jesus. Wow. Um, following the raid, though, he just pretty much disappeared. There's no record, really, of him after that. Why would he? That's that's retirement money. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. I just hope, like, please don't be dead. Like, I don't hope that's not the reason why. He disappeared. I just want him to have a little island with all his money and having fun. That's how I'm going to picture it. (laughs) (laughs) Probably what happened. It's like, I just basically became a millionaire. I'm going to just go chill for a while. I did my thing. I would do. (laughs) And last I'm going to mention is Blackbeard, Edward Teach. And his is a, it's a very weird looking man holding a chalice and he has a chalice in one hand and a spear in the other and he's stabbing a heart. (laughs) It's so weird. Um, He was a bit extra. (laughs) He's Blackbeard. Extra goes with a job. And kind of like... One for the dramatics, basically. Oh, absolutely. Historians dispute that the flag publicly accepted as Blackbeard is actually his, though. That's what's kind of weird. Like, it's half his and half not. Like, there's just sort of, it's almost more legend. We're going to get to it. Cool. (laughs) 
No, I'm good. Great segue then. It is a great segue. Oh, those were really good. I yeah. didn't know a few of those. As a self-proclaimed pirate nerd, I'm excited to learn new things. They're always so interesting. They're like dripping with symbolism and I'm all for it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. They were so much smarter than people give them credit for. It kind of makes it's true, yeah. The civilization of it is mm-hmm. very I didn't expect that. And of course, like I feel like Disney has ruined us in a lot of ways of our expectations of pirates, like how they dress and how they are. But it's funny, like looking at these pirate flags it makes me think like this is the beginning emojis. <laughs> Well, it's true. Yeah, they I hate that. Like, I don't want to degrade it. I don't even use emojis when I text people. But it's kind of like one up. <laughs> imagine like chalice stabbing heart, like <laughs> yeah. yeah, dagger skull heart. <laughs> uh, does that mean you're you're going to like kill me to love or love me to death? I don't. I'm, I'm getting a little lost on the symbolism here. Kill you and your loved ones. Ooh, there we go. That could you imagine people threatening each other in emoji? No, no, it's even worse than that because it's flag emoji. So it's two ships. One guy runs up a flag and then it's like skull and crossbone, dagger, heart. And then the other guy rolls up, no. And then the other guy rolls up, no, really. And then like, (laughs) another one is like the hourglass dagger and a skull. There we go. So time is running out for you. Oh, let me do that. Come back. Oh, what would our flags be? This is probably too deep to come up with fast. <laughs> Mine would say Google. <laughs> Give it a Google. Yeah. I don't know. It'd be a book, a librarian thing. Written that ours would just be the Dio rainbow with like the conspiracy theory pigeon, just like conspiracy seagull, like in the middle of it. <laughs> either that or like a thinking logo, just like that processing. Yeah, just a little processing. Loading. <laughs> Anyway, good segue. Pirates, mine's on Blackbeard. (laughs) (laughs) I decided to go a little morbid light because everything's so heavy and, you know, Jesus Christ. So my segment's going to be a sweet, sweet combo of one of the bloodiest pirates in history, some murder, and books. Ooh, some of my favorite things. (laughs) (laughs) Murder and books. Who doesn't love this? All right. So. Blackbeard. Our man is perhaps the most notorious pirate, and I'm willing to bet every single one of us has heard of him and his notorious black beard. And I'm sure we've all seen him in a movie or TV show. He was on Black Sails and Pirates of the Caribbean, and there's a lot of Blackbeard movies. But what do we like we actually know about the actual man? That's the thing that kind of intrigued me. I, I know the legend, but I didn't know the actual history. You know, my impression is that everyone's scared of him. He's probably a badass and he epitomizes the give no fucks attitude of a pirate as a research it turns out that the pirate we know like everybody knows is actually one of the pirates we know the least about and that really interested me and it also pleases me because i love a good mystery and a good pirate a good pirate mystery all right let's do this (laughs) the golden age of piracy it's the early 18th century off the coast of north america and the caribbean Blackbeard and other pirates plagued shipping lanes and was the bane of the existence of the Navy. It didn't matter what country, all of them were just fed the fuck up with pirates. Despite his legendary reputation, little is actually known about the early life of Blackbeard. 
Even his true name is uncertain, though it's generally thought to be either Edward Thatch or Edward Teach. So I've heard it both ways. On Black Sales, he's Teach. So I need to stop talking about Black Sales. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. <laughs> is it the new Outlander? I mean, it's over now. So, no. She doesn't like how much I talk about Outlander. But every time we do an episode, they talk about it on Outlander. So I think it's just meant to be. So. It's not I don't like it. It's now a thing now. <laughs> it's just a joke. If you get rid of all the unnecessary sex that just randomly pops up that has nothing to do with the plot line, it's not that bad. Like, historically. It's- yeah, historically, it's pretty accurate. Yeah. <laughs> but just, like, the time travel and just the weird sex. Like, mm-hmm. I, you know. Every time I'm watching it, Zeke always walks in in a really awkward sex scene. He's like, what are you watching? I'm like, don't worry about it. Move along. <laughs> so like most historical mysteries the most basic biographical details about blackbeard have been hotly disputed no one knows the year of his birth or even his location some people claim bristol in western england and others point to jamaica still some other people insist that he's from north carolina or even philadelphia and then they estimate that he was born before 1690 His early life was a complete mystery, a.k.a. nobody wrote that shit down, so we don't know anything. But we do know he was six foot, five inches, and weighed about 220 pounds. So he's a very imposing figure with thick, cold, black beard. Very large for that time. Yeah, I think it wasn't the average height, like 5'5". Yeah. (laughs) So (laughs) so legendary, he was enormous. (laughs) He was very Mm -hmm. tall. So he went into a good profession. He probably began his career the way many pirates actually did in the 1700s. He was first a privateer with permission from England's Queen Anne to prey on enemy French and Spanish merchant vessels. And when Queen Anne's war ended, many of the privateers turned to illegal piracy for personal gain. Yeah, like you do. Most of them started out legit. Kind of legit. They were still privateers. They were still (laughs) raiding people's boats. They were just doing it under the flag of a country. (laughs) That's the legit part. They had a flag of a country. Now I have Eddie Izzard stuck in my head. (laughs) Do you have a flag? No, Natalie country. (laughs) Natalie just lit up when you said Eddie Izzard. No no, no one I know. Knows Eddie Izzard. I, we have Jeff Jeff, one of our paid subscribers. He knows Eddie Izzard, but Eddie has been my favorite since I was a child. I have seen him live six times. Uh, anytime, anytime he comes to the country, anywhere near me, I see him live. I've seen some of his shows multiple times too. I have a lot of his merch. Uh, he's my favorite comedian. Uh, I and love Eddie as well. Uh, no. I know. <laughs> I, I, I may know a little of his stand-up bets. <laughs> them all the time. He's I would quote him more, but Morgan would get it. <laughs> this is just more evidence that you guys are the same person. You're I know, really I'm like, that's what I'm thinking, like, well, we really have this <laughs> separated correctly. <laughs> this is amazing. Oh. Where have you guys been all our lives? <sighs> Colorado. <laughs> yeah, a few states over. <laughs> Just a time zone over, no big deal. So the earliest primary source, because I love my sources, 
that mentions the pirate by name dates to the summer of 1717. Other records indicate that by the fall of 1770, Blackbeard was operating off the Delaware and Chesapeake Bays in conjunction with two other pirate captains, Benjamin Hornigold and Steed Bonnet. And I'm just assuming it's Bonnet because it was on Black Sails. <laughs> I'm saying it wrong. I'm sorry. Blackbeard served as an apprentice under Hornigold before becoming a pirate captain in his own right when he retired. So late in the fall of 1717, the pirates made their way to the Eastern Caribbean. It was there off the island of Martinique that Blackbeard and his fellow pirates captured the French slave ship La Concorde. Or, I didn't say that French enough. La Concorde. Uh, does anybody speak French? Un petit peu le français. Oh, Jesus Christ. Je ne sais pas is the only thing I know in French. Everything else is terrible. I know. Bonjour, Jamal. <laughs> I'm le tout fromage. I learned that from Matt. Just oh, tell everyone. Please. <laughs> and I was about to say, just go straight, Dexter. I'm le tout fromage. I'm le tout fromage. Uh, I took so much French in high school, and I remember nothing. Yeah, I, took, I took a semester in college, and I still can't. Oh, man. So the French ship encountered Blackbeard and his company. According to a primary account, the pirates were aboard two sloops, one with 120 men and 12 cannons and the other with 30 men and eight cannons. Or with the French crew already reduced to 16 fatalities and another 36 seriously ill with a thing called scurvy. They were just fucked. After Eat the pirates, fruits. Yes. <laughs> After the pirates <laughs> fired two volleys at the Le- Le- Con- Concorde. I don't know. Captain Dossett surrendered his Bless ship. Bless you. <laughs> yeah. I can't. So, historical detour on scurvy with a not-so-fun fact. More sailors died of scurvy than anything, and it was approximately more than three <laughs> times as many soldiers that were killed in the American Civil War. Wow. Okay. What exactly is scurvy? I've never actually known. I will tell you. Scurvy was common among sailors and pirates during the 15th and 16th centuries, particularly with the long transatlantic journeys, you know, the Age of Discovery, and uh, we know now that it's caused because, you know, you didn't get any vitamin C. Oh. And fun fact, vitamin C fun fact, most animals can manufacture their own vitamin C in their bodies, with the exception of humans, monkeys, and guinea pigs. Oh. <laughs> and I have a funny story. So I worked at PetSmart in college the whole time I was in undergrad. And that was like a thing like guinea pigs have to have a huge amount of vitamin C in their diet or they get scurvy. And when they get scurvy, their back legs stop working. It's really sad, tragic. So this lady comes in and she's explaining it. And I was like, well, ma'am, it sounds like he has scurvy. And she's like, but he's not a pirate. <laughs> Dead serious straight in my eyes. And I was like, I, I to this day, I'm like, okay. <laughs> oh, good time. So yeah. Give your guinea pigs oranges and peppers. Bell peppers have a lot of vitamin C. Huh. Anyhow, science. A lack of vitamin C means that the collagen <laughs> in your body, a protein found in body tissue such as skin, cannot be replaced, and it leads to tissue breakdown. So a diet with no vitamin C can lead to symptoms in just four weeks. Oh. Very, 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 very fast. Pirates suffering from scurvy would feel lethargic. They would generally feel weary, followed by an appearance of spots and lesions on the skin. They would have weak guns, gums, to the point where their teeth would fall out, and then they would have nosebleeds. 
And the most common places for pirates to find scurvy spots would be on their legs and thighs. And then the later stages of the disease, pirates would lose their teeth, suffer from jaundice, have open wounds, and then they would eventually die. That sounds awful. Yes. Not a good time. Eat some oranges, guys. (laughs) So one of the coolest, I mean, not cool for people, but... One of the cool things that came out of this is James Lind. He was a son of an Edinburgh merchant, became a medical apprentice in the city before joining the Royal Navy as a surgeon's mate in the late 1730s. And his service allowed him to observe the effects of scurvy firsthand. So in 1747, he was on board the Salisbury. He carried out one of the first controlled clinical trials recorded in medical science. So cool. He took 12 men suffering from similar symptoms of scurvy and divided them into six pairs and treated them with remedies suggested by previous writers. So like one dude got like a quart of cider a day. And then one dude got 25 drops of an elixir of vitriol, which is sulfuric acid (laughs) three times a day. Ah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. One dude got a half a pint of seawater. Yep. So we all know how that goes. And one guy got a nutmeg-sized paste of garlic, mustard seed, horseradish, balsam of Peru, and gum myrrh three times a day. Another dude got two spoonfuls of vinegar three times a day. And then the last lucky dude got two oranges and a lemon a day. By the end of the week, the dude on the citrus got well and everybody else did not. And boom, he figured out scurvy. I just thought that was really interesting. At least it wasn't like a lot of other doctors where it's just like, yeah, you have some stupid stuff going on. Do some cocaine about it. Yes. You got some ghosts in your blood. (laughs) (laughs) I saw a shirt or a meme and it was like Coca-Cola. And they're like, after 2020, we're putting the cocaine back in. (laughs) Yeah. Blackbeard and his crew decided to keep the Concord, whatever, and kick the French out. I saw two different accounts. One says that they dropped them off on an island, and another account says that they left the French the smaller two pirate ships. So I don't know which one it was. But then the French gave their new and much smaller vessel an appropriate name, the Mauvaise Rencontre. Jesus Christ. It just means the bad encounter. So their next ship, they named it that because they got kicked off. Either way, fuck those guys because it was a slave ship and they didn't deserve to have a ship because they were selling slaves. So, anyway. Boo. Boo. Anyway, Blackbeard yeah. renamed the vessel the Queen Anne's Revenge. Ever heard of it? Super famous. He increased okay. the ship's guns from 26 to 40 and used it as the flagship to create his own pirate fleet. His crew grew to more than 200. And then soon he commanded four ships up to 400 men, although some legends of like this say he had 25 ships and 2,000 men. But again, it's kind of hard to differentiate the man and the legend. (laughs) He and his men sailed the Caribbean and the Atlantic coast of North America, torturing merchant ships, crewmen, and passengers, stealing cargo, and gaining a reputation as one of the most notorious pirates in history. In battle, Blackbeard was a savage opponent with a reputation for inhuman strength. And since he was 6'5", you know, everybody was just scared shitless of him anyway. Also easy to see over everybody else. (laughs) And while his legend is wildly inflated, even his own 
time appreciated the power of his image. He dressed entirely in black as he stormed the battle with multiple pistols. And some sources claimed he had fuses burning in his beard and hair so that he'd be surrounded by this eerie fog. But something's telling me this is part of this legend, you know? <laughs> he's, so, he's like such a god. Like <laughs> No one understands me. I'll just light the fuse. 1000% he had eyeliner, like man liner. It, oh god. I just like the thought of him just like every time he enters the room, he enters the club. Like, wait a minute. Like smoke bomb, and then he's like, <laughs> yes. And all black, his, you know, cape flowing. <laughs> Absolutely. Like the first goth. Well, to be of- fair, he'd be ducking through the doorway. It's true. Yeah, <laughs> so all the sources say that he looked like the devil himself. And that's probably why he did so well when he was storming ships. People are probably just like, I'm done. I'm scared. Take what you want. <laughs> Not even gonna fight you, man. The image pirates such as Blackbeard cultivated was often just as important as their actions. Flags became an important aspect, like we just talked about the flag that's on the Queen Anne's Revenge, it's the heart dripping blood, the skeleton holding an hourglass and a spear. And da, 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 you've already talked about all this. Sorry. <laughs> Like his personal image was designed solely to intimidate. So everything about him and his ship and his flag was just to intimidate you so that you just didn't really fight him. I kind of wonder who his PR person was. I know, right? It's a perfect perfection. (laughs) I don't know. Do pirates have marketing teams? Like this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna have you dress in all black. (laughs) Oh god. Now I just have Shmi in my head, just going, all right, Captain. We're going to put you on all black. Hold on. Stand still. Here's some fuses. There we go. <laughs> I know. I'm even picturing the Smee from Hook when he's like taking wax out of his ears and like fixing his mustache and everything. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. That'd be a fun job. Unless you screwed up and you got killed. That wouldn't be too fun. And now we're back to death. Oh, yeah, so despite his persona and reputation, his time was actually very short-lived. Piracy became rampant in North Carolina after Blackbeard bribed colonial governor Charles Eden to ignore his criminal activities with commercial vessels using, oh, God, okra, coat. Oh, my God, okra coat. Okra. I don't know how to say this. Oh, I just had, I had okra for dinner. Okra <laughs> Inlet. Best, oh, Jesus. Why can't I say that? I know the word. Okra coat inlet to access inland ports. Blackbeard and several other pirates found the coastal waterway an ideal target. After tolerating Blackbeard's terrorism for 18 months, North Carolina residents and merchant sailors begged the governor for help. Acting in secrecy, Spotswood arranged an ambush of Blackbeard, offering a bonus for his death. So Royal Navy Lieutenant Robert Maynard, (laughs) my dad used to call people Maynard, and I just find that word really weird or funny, (laughs) Maynard. The commanding officer of the arranged assault found Blackbeard in Ocracote Inlet on November 22nd, 1718. Maynard's two ships, Jane and Ranger, were immediately fired upon by Blackbeard and his crew, severely damaging the Ranger. When Jane began to take damage, Maynard ordered the crew to go below the deck, creating an illusion of an abandoned vessel. 
Blackbeard took the bait, leading a charge aboard the vessel. He and his men were surprised by the crew down below. Blackbeard suffered 25 stab wounds and five gunshots before dying of his injuries. That's a little bit overkill. Yeah. <laughs> is, he, he was considered the devil himself. So. It was, yeah, he was a very large man. So <laughs> we got to do a little extra. Uh, is it bad that the thing I took away from that little excerpt is the fact that corruption in politics has always been a thing? <laughs> yes, absolutely. No, you're, that is a fair set. And then he was also decapitated and they hung his head. Was he like, was he like Rasputin or something? Too? <laughs> right. <laughs> Maybe. You never know how many legends are going about him being stabbed, laughing it off. Sure. True. What is it? Stab, shot, poisoned, and then he died drowning. (laughs) Don't make a dick joke. Don't make a dick joke. Okay. So his head was hung from the ship, and then they tossed his body overboard, bringing a literal end to Blackbeard and his symbolic end to the Atlantic coast of piracy. Blackbeard may have died, but his legend quickly gained a life of its own. Blackbeard was neither a particularly successful pirate in terms of treasure that he plundered, and he wasn't necessarily that fierce either, but the legend that like, sprawled from this made him one of the greatest pirates of all time. So I thought that was interesting. because it. No, he, he actually was kind of a mediocre pirate. He just had right? an awe-inspiring legend. Yeah. Yeah. So during his short term in history stage, less than two years time, just two years, he rarely used violence. Yet he is often portrayed as ruthless and even murderous. And he terrorized his foes. And it's largely because Captain Charles Johnson's 1724 book, A General History of Robberies and Murderers of the Most Notorious Pirates. What a title. (laughs) Well, well, you see, it's the name that's important. No (laughs) one's going to surrender to the dread pirate Wesley. Yes. Oh, yes, 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 yes. So, quote, this book transformed Blackbeard into a larger-than-life character and the archetypal archetypal pirate. Johnson employed full use of his literary license to portray Blackbeard as a bloodthirsty warrior who entwined strands of his furlsome beard and black ribbons. Caught him on fire. And Johnson's account, Blackbeard would enter battle with stuck lighted matches under his hat, which appearing on each side of his face, his eyes naturally looking fierce and wild, made him altogether a figure of the imagination, a fury from hell to look at more frightful. Ooh, 1700s spooky shit. So even Blackbeard's death quickly became <laughs> mythology. I like this. Legend grew that after they threw his body overboard, it swam around the ship a few times, headless. <laughs> just doing some laps. And then it even, even though it was probably just floating and just managed to catch a whirlpool, yeah. but yeah. Yeah, it's true. That makes no sense whatsoever. <laughs> He's swimming laps. I'm sure some guy was like, I was there, I saw it. As soon as somebody wrote it, like, and then it spread. Like, I was there, I saw it go around. He won't believe anything. So <laughs> he's dead. What happened to the Queen Anne's revenge? Well, it ran aground 1718, just offshore of Beaufort, a few months before Blackbeard was killed. So he fucked the ship up before he even died. That's a tragedy. But in 1996, it was discovered off the coast of North Carolina. Oh, 
that's fun for historians. After years of excavations, you can now see most of the artifacts that were in the ship displayed in North Carolina's Maritime Museum in Beaufort. The most notable relics are an 11-foot-long anchor weighing 2,500 pounds. Some of the cannons. There's also hundreds of objects from pirate life, like ropes, scraps of weapons, eating utensils, and even bits of the ship windows. But the coolest part is that they found scraps of decaying paper in the ship from a book. That is insane. You can never find paper in shipwrecks. wrecks. I mean, I I talk today. Yeah. But I think they said that it survived because they found it in a cannon. Oh. Why would it be in the cannon? They could have actually, it might not have been like the book itself in the cannon, but it could have been torn out of a book to be used as wadding for the cannon. Yeah, Yeah, it's probably most likely what happened. No, it's a secret. (laughs) Mystery forever. So it's a remarkable find since paper is extremely rare in shipwrecks. Never mind a shipwreck from 300 years ago. That's a very long time. But 16 small fragments after careful and, and oh my God, what is wrong with me today? Analysis turned out to be the account of the adventures of a sea captain, a 1712 book by Captain Edward Cook. So it's another pirate's book. Historian Simon Layton says that many pirates in Blackbeard's time could read and often read and often took books when they were plundering. That makes me so happy. They were literate. I would be a book pirate. That's, that's pretty much all I would steal. It's just all the books everywhere. I'm going to take your gold. I'm going to take your books. I'm going to take all your rum. Well, and also, to, to be fair, at the time, books were actually really rare. So, Thank you. He just brought me rum and coke. I love you. This is why I'm wearing. <laughs> this is why I'm it's- <laughs> We were out of rum earlier. Anyway, what were we saying? Sorry. No, it was the rarity of books at the time because they all actually had to be written by hand rather than. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. this is one of my favorite things that I found is just that they read a lot. So there's a quote. It says, that said, finding these pages down in the shaft of the canon doesn't necessarily imply that Blackbeard's crew was absorbed in such literature. One can argue, conversely, that it reveals a certain irreverence towards books in general. The pirates were, after all, a motley crew. Undoubtedly, some were better read than others. So there's your devil's advocate. Not necessarily mean the reading. It could just be, you know, whatever, but... But some historians argue that Blackbeard actually took books during his plundering and that they were also very literate. And I'm just going to end on that mic drop that pirates could read. (laughs) Their own little libraries aboard the ship. So that makes me happy. Uh, Since we're bringing up like shipwrecks and stuff, like for me, what I, I am more fascinated about right now is the perfectly preserved boat down that they found in the bottom of the Black Sea. This thing is because of the high salt content oh, yeah. from the Roman Empire is that they still have rope oh, on the ship. Wow. And like they, they don't disclose where it is at all. They get this really big secret because they don't want any like <laughs> plunderers to come in and die. Oh, yeah. Die people have really ruined that. Yeah. But like they have, it was perfectly preserved. Like there was still like the wine inside of the vases and like. Oh, wow. That's yeah, so cool. I think they found this like three or three or four years ago. It's like a time capsule. Yeah, completely preserved. 
I wish I could discover something cool. Yeah, well, they can't find the gold anymore that the one guy hid in the Rockies. Someone found it. I saw that. I was like, holy shit. How long did that? Did it ever say how long he was looking for it? Or is this like a accidental first try finds? I don't know how long the guy who found it was searching for, but I do know that it was buried in the 60s. Oh, wow. So it had been undiscovered for that long. Wow. It's pretty good. And it was real because a lot of people thought it was just a hoax that he just said he'd buried it and that, you know, it was really just he was just trying to make everybody go find stuff and solve all these riddles when there really was nothing ever actually buried. But no, somebody found it. It was really buried. He genuinely buried a bunch of gold. To be fair, if I was on my deathbed, I would 100% make shit up and be like, the treasure, it's in the safe. And then just, <laughs> and then everybody would be wondering, what safe, where? They'd be talking about it for, you know, generations. It'd be fantastic. Yeah, but my family would be like, you're broke ass, no, you got nothing. Like, And then that would be the last thing I'd hear before I die. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> and yeah, the guy who buried it did do it on purpose. Like he and he hid a bunch of clues. He wrote an entire thing, like and he was he had all these clues kind of hidden around for people to actually go and find it. So it was on purpose, and it, he did it to actually have a real modern day treasure hunt was his only motive. It's amazing. Oh, he, I ever he was get a millionaire and everything. I, money's wasted on people. I would do so much fun shit with money if I had it. You don't see but that he did something fun with his money. He's like, hey, here's a modern day treasure hunt. It's true. More rich people should do fun shit like that. Wasted. Cough, 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 cough. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so much fun. I love those stories of, you know, lost treasure that we still haven't found, you know, because a lot of people are like, oh, why would you want to go into archaeology to found everything? But they're still finding anyway. See, we haven't found Jack yet. What are you talking about? True. Yes. There's so much of the world that's just totally untouched. Mm-hmm. And never mind, like getting into like the indigenous cultures of North and South America. There's a lot of stuff still unknown. Oh, yeah. I love some Mesoamerican indigenous history. Oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, but even like in my hometown, there was like a cave and there was always this legend that somebody hid gold in it. But it, And the story is that anytime anybody went in the cave, they would get so scared at a certain point. They would turn back every time. And even my grandpa said he tried and he got so terrified he had to turn around. Yeah. Huh. So every town's got a little hidden treasure or something. That would be really cool if people find more yeah. of that. <laughs> All right. So women pirates. Yes. Uh, they are awesome and badass and I wish more people knew about them. And I've pulled up an article that lists several of them, but I'm going to just read a few about them. And the first is Anne Bonny. Um, she was born Anne Cormac in 1698. This Irish little lady was, had her luscious red locks and a dangerous temper. <laughs> and she so became Irish. an icon of the golden age of piracy. You went. He said so Irish. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> she was just Irish. I wouldn't, I wouldn't know any other way. <laughs> After marrying a small-time pirate, James Bonney, Anne's respectable father disowned her over the marriage. And so she and her new husband moved to a portion of the Bahamas. Oh, that sounds nice. Uh, nicknamed the Pirate's Republic. It is a sanctuary of sorts for your scalawags. 
But the Bonnies were not happily married for very long. They divorced and she took up with Calico Jack and first as his lover, then as his first mate on the ship Revenge in October 1720. And she and the rest of Rockham's crew were captured despite Bonnie and her bosom buddy, Mary Reed, also another awesome lady pirate. She dressed as a man a lot of the time. One thing I think is cool is when she was, Bonnie blamed Rockham for their capture. So at one point they all got captured and her words saying to Rockham was, sorry to see you there, but if you'd fought like a man, you would never have been hanged like a dog. (laughs) And of course he was hanged. But Bonnie's, she was pregnant at the time. And Bonnie's pregnancy actually earned her a stay of execution. However, no historical record of her death sentence was found. So some actually speculate that her father paid a handsome price to have her set free. Oh, I like that theory. Yeah, I'm going to roll with that. <laughs> Another cool pirate who I don't know how to pronounce her name whatsoever, but I do love her nickname, and that is Back from the Dead Red. Whoa, that's all redheads pirates because that's what I'm kind of <laughs> from this. Yeah, last uh, episode, Grace O'Malley, she was redhead too. Yeah, I mean, they're not, they are on, on here, but it <laughs> seems like there's a trend happening. There's a motif, those fiery redheads. <laughs> she was born the daughter of a Frenchman and a Haitian woman in the 17th century. Yeah, her it almost her name almost looks like Jaquetta, but I know that's probably mispronouncing it. But it's like Jaquetta Delahaye, and she stole untold fortunes and captured the imaginations of many seafaring storytellers. And but she lost her mother to childbirth, and her brother was mentally handicapped. Aww. And her once her father was murdered. Jesus, <laughs> I know. what a tragic cool. life! But anyway, she did take care of him. And the legend has it that piracy is how she managed to do, how she managed to basically take care of her and her brother. Her nickname comes from the most popular aspect of her story, which claims that this red-haired pirate faked her own death to escape the government forces because they were closing in on her in the 1660s. And from there, she took up a new identity, living for several years as a man. And finally... When the heat died down, she resurfaced with her catchy new moniker, Back from the Dead Red. I like that. I really like that name, man. It's What a name. Yeah. Badass. It's a little bit of a mouthful, but it's worth it. Back from the Dead Red. Please don't make a dick joke. Uh, <laughs> How do you get a dick joke out of that? <laughs> I don't know. I want to be mouthful. And I know you like dick oh, yeah. Please don't make a dick joke. <laughs> Well, I'm so upset that that's what I'm known for is my inappropriate dick jokes. My mom's dick so jokes and outlander, Kina. That's what you got. No. <gasps> the last pirate I will talk about is Ching Shi. Ooh, yes. Yep. yes. I am a big fan of her. I actually based one of my D and D characters off of her. I can't. I named it Tia Shi, and she was an awesome tigress, Jedi, Star Wars, and D and D. I love it. My favorite characters are done. But she was one of the most feared pirates of all time and was a menace of China Sea and born in humble beginnings as Shi Zhengzhu at Gu. And she was working as a prostitute when pirates captured her. So it starts very romance novel, basically. Yeah. 
1801, she'd married the notorious Chinese pirate Zhang Yi, or Chang the First, Chang Wen, who came from a long line of fearsome thieves. Yi's red flag fleet was immense with up to 300 ships, which sounds crazy to me, and uh, somewhere between 20,000 and 40,000 men. But all this was at risk of falling apart when he died in November 1807. Gu became known as Qing Shi, which meant widow of Zhang. She was quick to seek the backing of her in-laws and her bid for leadership of the Red Flag Fleet. To help her maintain the day-to-day concerns of a sprawling pirate army, Qing Shi enlisted the help of Chang Pao, a fisherman's son who had been adopted by Yi, and they proved a great team. And by 1810, the Red Fleet is said to have grown to 1,800 sailing vessels and 80,000 crew members. So we started with 300 ships, and now we're at 1,800 ships. And 20,000 and 40,000 men to now 80. So like we've really doubled and tripled. So to manage so many, Ching Shi essentially set up her own government to establish laws and even taxes. Yet there was no soft touch. Breaking her laws uh, led to decapitation. Yikes. Yeah. 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 Uh, She was revered and feared as far away as Great Britain. And in 1810, Ching Shi and her fleet considered getting out of the piracy business when amnesty was offered. However, to get a pirate must bend the knee before government officials. This was considered a sign of shameful surrender, but Ching Shi found a clever way to compromise. With Powell and 17 women and children in tow, she marched into the office of official Zhang Baling and asked that he marry her and her first mate. He did, and the newlyweds knelt to thank him. Ching Shi retired with her dignity and hauled all her ill-gotten loot, <laughs> which <laughs> some have suggested makes her the most successful pirate of all time because she lived to the age of 69. Oh, wow. For that time, that's very impressive. It's like a roller coaster. Oh, she's so smart. She's yeah. really dodged a few bullets there. Like it could have ended tragically a few times, but Actually, yeah, she's almost, somebody. almost ended tragically a couple mm-hmm. of times for her too. Yeah. Super interesting person. Really, really is. Yeah, because we were actually gonna talk about her until we yeah. couldn't find anything really spooky. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we were she was just badass. Was like, oh, mm-hmm. So cool, but there's nothing spooky here. <laughs> yeah, the the Chinese, their like navy was insane. There's a lot of people that argue that they were the first people to, you know, explore America. Or the Vikings. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have a book. I haven't read it yet. I suck, but it was proven that they beat the Vikings. But hmm, uh, really? Yeah, yeah. At least to the west coast. Yeah, probably not like Canada, but like U.S. You know, it's the thing. It's like there's a lot of really amazing women in history and we never hear about them. Like, there's really- so many like super crazy strong ladies that just like no one talks about at all. And it makes me super sad. Yeah. Well, not even just the ladies. There's just a lot of history in general that people miss out on. 
that's either just because it's really cool or educational or something. I don't know. I feel so deprived, like so neglected <laughs> when I look at stuff now. I'm like, why did I not know this? <laughs> I have a master's in history and every episode I'm learning things. And I'm like, I've been in school forever and none of this has popped up. It's it's crazy. There's just too much, but there's just, I think there's yeah. just a lot of people that have, uh, we do talk about a lot of people have been kind of erased from history and stuff too. So like yeah. they were purposely tried to be deleted, but luckily they weren't. But I don't think they really tried to hide her story in China. Not know. hers because she yeah. was really, uh, and China doesn't have the same predisposition towards erasing women mm-hmm. as Western cultures, mostly because they had several empresses. So mm-hmm. they, they're not nearly as biased towards women. I mean, Confucianism definitely messed with that a bit, but for the most part, <laughs> mm-hmm. they, they don't, when it comes to women in power, they don't try and remove them from history because they do see them like in a very different light than Western cultures. Mm-hmm. That's true. There are yeah. some, like, even like we were talking, we did it last drunk dive on Mulan, and even that legend has survived. Uh, how I many? Uh, yeah, Mulan, the Ballad of Mulan was from the 600s. And uh, it was really fascinating to learn all the different variations mm-hmm. of it. And that Disney's actually isn't completely off the mark. It's yeah. only a few details. Huh. It's still got Disney eyes, but. Yeah, I was yeah. really looking forward to the new one just because it was supposed to be a little bit more in line with the actual legend. But, you know, COVID. So who knows yeah. when that's going to come out. <laughs> You guys have been a blast. You'll have to come back. There's ever another. Or please come back. (laughs) Please, 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 please. (sighs) Heck yes. (laughs) Yes. Well, if if she has anything to say about it, we will. (laughs) He's not wrong. (laughs) Even if for whatever something happened to me, she'd still be doing it. So. (laughs) Be like, oh yeah. Sorry guys, Ty died. I just here's his replacement. <laughs> the ghost yeah. of Ty yeah. is over here. Just, <laughs> just you know what? If if I did die, she would probably bring my ghost back just to do the damn podcast. Yeah, a seance. <laughs> it would sell until <laughs> and then there'd just be me like on the uh, like in an EVP style going, Oh my god, just let me rest. I finally <laughs> earned it. <laughs> Let me sleep. And then you'd be like, your mic is wrong. You need to flip it over. (laughs) (laughs) Remember, remember, you need to be three inches away from your mic. Watch your cord. (laughs) Don't wrap it that way. (laughs) Just like, don't wrap it that way. my new favorite thing <laughs> <laughs> animation <laughs> just him as a ghost <laughs> you. i'm pretty sure like for our animations like every ghost host that we have on i'm gonna just draw like a ghost version of them just floating around <laughs> yeah exactly they'll be our because that's what we call all of our our guest hosts is ghosts so. <laughs> yeah. oh, that's such a good idea i love it well, thank you guys so much for having us. Yeah, thank you all. Yeah, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah.
<laughs> we are ready. Yeah, that's all on her. To invade your <laughs> podcast next. <laughs> invade uh, is it, the right word. <laughs> it, it's not an invasion. Like, We're we coming in hot all the time. <laughs> you, if you've listened to an episode with Dusty, you'll understand. We just kind of roll over and let it happen. Are you just saying you're easy? That's what I'm kind of getting. <laughs> I'm not gonna say no. <laughs> Oh, my face hurts from laughing. <laughs> That's fun. That's I new. Uh, join Patreon. That's <laughs> patreon.com slash historical AF pod. And you get lots of cool benefits. And you get to watch this live. So, yeah, like this episode. Two and a half hours. And you're only getting like an hour. So, what happened in that hour and a half? You'll never know unless you join Nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so many tangents. I'm like fucking mullet wave. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. And we also have merch and stuff. You know, you can check that out. And then we need stories for our listener stories, historicallyofpod at gmail.com. And you guys, plug, plug, plug. Where do we find you? Oh yeah. Everything at the otter limits. Yep. Oh, That's otter so, with D's, not yes, T's. Otter as an odd. O-D-D-E-R. As in, as in we are odd. Very <laughs> odd parents. <laughs> um, but yeah, pretty much every social media, the otter limits. Um, you know, Twitter, Facebook. Yeah, all of it. Um, and then like throw out a podcast platform. We are probably on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> under the otter limits. And for one location for us, we do have our website up at theotterlimits.com. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you want to just like go on there and find everything. Mm-hmm. And also you can reach out to us if you want to talk to us or anything. We're at the otter limits at gmail.com. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. give us a listen guys. When yeah. we hope we that you like us, if you do, if you don't, then, you know, just, yeah, stop listening um, and throw us away. <laughs> yeah. We're basically just a trash fire of a podcast. Uh, so. yeah, well, I'm quite used to that by now. <laughs> like we're 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 a little uh, unrestrained, and we do we do a lot of spooky stuff, but we also do it with a tongue in cheek kind of style. So we, yeah. we make a lot of jokes. It's actually a pretty fun time, just <laughs> constantly laughing at each other. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and you might learn something. You never know. Yeah. I've been enjoying. I've been binging. No, <laughs> alien episode where they're like, "It's never aliens unless it is," and I was like, "Oh, oh. <laughs> that's what we say." That was our tagline for our aliens episode. It was, "It's never aliens." All right, eventually. Man, well, thank you guys so much for joining thank us. You. Thank you for having us. Oh, we had a blast, guys. Thank you so much yeah, for having you. us, you. you guys, and we will. See you guys next week. Yay, See you next week. Bye. Okay, bye. bye See you next week. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>